Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Lord this morning gives us a parable. Our Lord spoke in many parables. For they are a way for God, kind of like poetry, to draw us in. To give us little pictures, little icons of the kingdom. They give us metaphors, images, food for contemplation, so that when we come to them again and again, we hear anew our Lord speaking a word directly to us. For as our Lord told the apostles, who were a bit confused by this story, by this parable, that it has been given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. This is one of the great entrances into knowing who God is, what his reign here means, is to read slowly, prayerfully the parables of our Lord, for they give us insight into the mysteries of the kingdom of God, things that the angels from before wanted to know but had to wait. We have been given full access, like we've been given backstage passes so that we know how it really actually works, that we know, especially in this parable, what it is for the soul to grow, for the soul to change. There's many interpretations of this particular parable that have people set. This kind of a person's a rock, this kind of a person's uh, the wayside. That's probably, that's quite a title, quite a label. This person's out of the way. He's not even in the field, right? Then we have those who have no roots, who are devoured by the cares of this world. And then we have the good ground. But as St. John Chrysostom tells us from this parable, the focus of this parable is not uh, the intransigence of a soul, but the fact that our soul can change, that we can become the good and noble soul, that we can become the good ground that hears the word of God and then goes and does it. We have the ability, brothers and sisters, as our Lord sows the seed daily, hourly, minute by minute, but especially in the gathering together of the saints here this morning, to have our hearts prepared to receive the word of God, to receive the seed. This is for our sanctification. This is for our enlightenment. This is for our edification. This is for our reproval or perhaps rebuke that we have let our souls become completely fallow or that our hearts have become hardened or our hearts, our soul is being choked out by the cares of the world. So let us walk through these different soils and see what our Lord has to show to our own heart, to expose to us where we are and what the kingdom of God needs to break in 
how it can access, how we can begin to receive the word and do it. Let it actually take root. Let it grow. As our Lord explained the parable to the disciples, he explains the wayside. This is the sower going out and sowing seed, and some of the seed doesn't actually fall into the field, but it's the wayside. They're ones who hear the word, but then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Or as he originally told it, that the seed doesn't actually have a place to go into the earth. It's just trampled down and the birds come and devour it and take it. There is always the challenge of distraction, of not even having our hearts prepared at all, that the ground is not even broken up, no water, nothing, but actually where everybody walks because our life is just full of the business of the world. I think this is a special challenge because I think sometimes we hear this parable and we think that those who are outside of the church are the ones on the wayside or those who kind of came into the orbit of the church and then just kind of spun back out into the rest of space, as it were. I was continuing with the metaphor. But the wayside, I think, is especially challenging, I'm going to say this, for the old timers. And I don't mean necessarily that you have gray hair, but that orthodoxy, the church, Christ, this is something that you've known for years and years and years. It's become old hat. You've heard probably, let's see, this parable. How many sermons have you heard on this parable? I don't have enough fingers, right? This is one of the favorite, even though we in the Orthodox Church, we have this every year, this parable. But even if you are not in the church, you've heard many homilies on this. You know about prayer. You know who Jesus Christ is. You don't have problems with the teachings, etc., right? This isn't new anymore. So it becomes a real challenge for our hearts to remain soft, supple, receptive, to actually allow ourselves to hear God's word, to actually, let's be honest, pay attention, or maybe worse, worse, repent, because we're just kind of used to it. We've got into our ruts. I think it's also a special challenge for our youth. This is for the teenagers and young adults. That there is, especially if you've grown up in the church, that this is all something that you're very familiar with. The same as those who've been here 40 years, you've spent your entire life in church. You've probably maybe learned how to tune out things, right? Because we're, we're here for two hours. I, I know what's going to happen. This is what it's going to be. But this is a serious challenge to be desensitized to the majesty of Jesus Christ. To have our hearts become so hard that we cannot even hear. We can't even see 
even though we're going, we're present and we're going through all of the motions. What I suggest for dryness of prayer, lack of prayer, this kind of distraction, it's a real symptom of no real interiority, that you have actually set aside the time to make the effort to delve into your heart to find Christ there. This requires not hours and hours of standing vigil in your icon corner. This is a little habit, five minutes in the morning or five minutes in the evening. And I don't mean just rushing through your Trisagion prayers. I mean just communing with our Lord. Actually putting before him what is on your heart, what troubles you, what bothers you, what you hope by his grace to be able to love, to forgive, to see all things in him. I would also suggest for the cycles of just in the rut. If you're not in the rut or in a good habit of preparing before Holy Communion, do the prayers before Holy Communion, the night before or the morning before. If you could just do one of them slowly, purposefully, thinking of the gap between you and him and what you desire, this will do little bits. This is just like getting into a new workout routine. Just these little bits help to break up that fallow ground. Then there is the hearts, the ground that are rock. That when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And they have no root, however. And so they believe for a while in a time of temptation, fall away. This is where the seed hits. There's a shoot and you think we're going to have a great harvest. And then the next morning you look out and nothing's there because it didn't actually have any roots. It's used up all the energy that it had inside of itself. And now it's gone. This premature joy, this premature, uh, I'll say this is especially for the catechumens and for those who everything is still shiny and new and there's so much to discover, so much to discover about Christ, about what it is to enter into the church, what life in Christ is like. But there's going to be a time where all of this is going to wear off. You will know what that icon is. You know what Sunday it is. You are tired of your prayers. You don't really are not interested in that new hummus recipe anymore. Right? It is now the grind. This is going to happen. This is what I call the honeymoon period is over. And the real work begins. Because there's nothing like the newness of being able, especially if you are kind of brainy, this is something new, there's something more, there's now something to desire. But if that's your path, you're just going to move on to the next thing. That is going to be the challenge, the temptation. Jesus is going to become, yeah, I know about that already. 
now I'm more really interested in take your pick. This is especially hard for us who are not catechumens because we have a church culture and we were all raised in a church culture and we're inundated in a church culture besides that reflects our broader culture that is very consumer based and is constantly focused on revival, right? So that revivalistic focus is that if you uh, are not pleased with something in the church, this is the consumer, you just go to a different church, right? And revivalist is if you don't have the feelies, right? The feelings, you go back to see uh, point one, consumer. You just go somewhere else where you can get the feelings. So we have a challenge of the head and we have a challenge of the heart. This is where the roots have to begin, especially for catechumens. And for those who have been in the church whose roots are starting to die, to set down those roots, to begin again and again, to repent, to develop and commit to small habits of prayer, fasting, and I'm especially going to suggest the reading of the gospel, the simple faith in reading the gospel, hearing what our Lord has to say, and then striving to actually do what he says. This is especially to do in small acts of service, to transform that consumeristic way of approaching church to actually have us transformed. That revival is something that is constantly uh, for us to attend to, whether we have the feelings or not. And I especially, I have come to do this rather regularly with those in life confessions. The temptations are going to come, and they might not be the temptations that you think they will be. You're thinking of some lofty uh, battles with your particular passions, but it could just be uh, someone in the choir, something said at announcements, something, etc., etc., right? The real challenge and the real place where temptation can come is here in church with each other or with what we think or we thought something was supposed to be like. And so what I have encouraged every single catechumen coming into the church, don't run away. Especially don't run away and say nothing. Say something. Ask for help. Call out for help. Don't just disappear. Now the next ground that we need to assess ourselves by is the ground where the thorns came up. There's roots, there was a nice plant, but the thorns came up and killed it. Our Lord tells us, this is the ground when they have heard they go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Verses rooted, stalwart, strong plants. This is, as we're thinking of the further, that this is rooted. This is something that we would not imagine uh, a problem from within. 
But the cares of the world just overwhelm and take over. I saw a comment by a senior priest in the OCA who's recently retired. I don't mean Father Stephen, somebody else in the OCA who's retired recently. And so when you have the advantage of serving for decades in the church, you see trends and you see generations in the church come and go. And it broke my heart to read about what he said back in the early 90s in Connecticut. He had a church. We had 20-something altar boys serving with him in the altar. And now as he sees where they are in their life, none of those boys are in church. None of them. Why? Well, slowly but surely... The families and those boys chose cares, riches, and pleasures of life. Instead of feast days and Sundays, they chose school, sports, all sorts of other things except church. And over time, all of them have gone on to be very prosperous, knowledgeable, nice, great people. But our Lord is not present, and they are not present to our Lord. There is the constant challenge and temptation for the desires and pleasures of the world to seep in, even when we believe and we do have good, deep roots. So, what are ways in which we can help fend ourselves off from the thorns? One, of course, is faithful participation in the sacramental life of the church, prioritizing the church, and prioritizing that in a way especially in giving and serving in the church. This is for a constant reviewing of our priorities. What receives our attention, our money? What do we sacrifice for? And at the heart of it, the path of following Jesus Christ, especially if you read St. John Chrysostom, because his commentary on the Matthew account of this, he of course spends two-thirds of it talking about simplicity and how the cares of the world can just ultimately destroy us. But the good ground is what we desire. It is what we want. Because we want our Lord, we want to have deep roots We want to hear the word by paying attention to every word that comes forth from our Lord's mouth, straining to attend to that word, and then like taking a dish rag when you need to take all that water out. You're going to get every possible meaning out of it. That we desire for our hearts to be noble and good. If we don't feel like we have noble and good hearts, we have to desire to desire noble and good hearts. We need to keep the word, the seed that is sown in our hearts, whether that's memorization of scripture, the treasuring of Jesus Christ in our hearts through the constant repetition of his name, through the calling of the Jesus prayer, to the actual looking for and actually planning and implementing, practicing what the sower teaches so that the seeds actually take root and that we produce fruit.
And of course, through all of this, it's especially again a word to catechumens, but it's a word to all of us, that we bear fruit with patience. We're in it for the long game. If you actually understand the devastating impact of sin on our life, it's going to take a while for those roots to grow and for us to bear fruit. That doesn't mean that we're looking for a decade from now, but that does mean that we are in it for the long game. That we are in it to the last two seconds of the game. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. (laughs) That we will bear fruit if we patiently, constantly keep our eye on the ball and attend to him. Then we will bear fruit. Then we will be noble and good hearts. We will be that good ground that we will bring glory and honor to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.